Hey, welcome. We're glad that you're here today. We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online today. Glad to have you as well. Now listen, if you were looking for the nursery and you couldn't find it, they did a quick escape and they went out on the playground. But, but they're out there if you need the nursery or if you want the Yeah, amen. See, I told you. So, so if you want the nursery, I'm just saying you don't have to go, but if you want the nursery, uh, they're there. They're just on the playground. Some folks came in the hallway and they were saying to me, hey, where's the nursery? And I'm going, man, I don't know. If it's not in the sermon, I'm just no good to you, you know. <laughs> but we found them. We, we got, this, uh, we got a, some kind of uh, instrument out that would show activity and life, and, and uh, sure enough, they were there on the playground. So just wanted you to know about that. Now listen, today is the fourth message in this whole series we talked about friends, right? I know we all need friends, don't we? It's just a sad thing if you don't have friends. My brother went to his 40th high school reunion this weekend, and I was so impressed because I don't have any friends to go see. Um, and somebody said, well, that's good because the topic today is unfriending, Right? And so it worked out for me. See, I, if you want to learn something, learn from me because I've done it, right? Now, here's some things. If you haven't been here, we talked about uh, in this series at the beginning, we said, write down your closest friends. Write down the names of your very closest friends. These are the people that you would just spill your guts to. These are the people that you would talk to, that you would share, you know, secret thoughts with. They would share with you. You would pray together. And, and how many did we say that we came out with? People said two. Yeah, they said they wrote down names, and sure enough, and that's the average now today. And then, but 25 years ago, the average was six friends. Now, what, what happened within the last 25 years that most people went from having six close friends to two close friends? Well, we talked about social media and the impact it's made. Now, now social media is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it. But what's happened today is that people don't talk face-to-face -face as much anymore as they do thumbs-to-thumbs, right? And so that's cut down on us getting out of the house and getting to know each other. In fact, last week we talked about before there was air conditioning. See, I'm old enough, I remember this stuff. Before there was air conditioning, you would sit out on the front porch and you would talk to your neighbors, right? Because they would be sitting on their front porch. And then they got air conditioning, everybody went inside. Back, back in the day when they had the garage that was separate from the house and it was out in the back, and you'd go park your car out there, well, when you walked up to the house, your neighbor was doing the same thing. He just got home from work, and y'all could talk and visit in the yard together, right? And so now what's happened, we got the garage door open, we got the house connected, we push the button, we go in, we push the button, and we just stay inside because it's hot out there, right? How many of you know it's hot out there? Some of you people get out there in it and exercise. I'm, I'm worried about you. But other than that, you know, you can do that inside, can't you? You can do the treadmill and all that other stuff inside. But today we want to talk about unfriending. Now listen, this is not to be ugly. This is not about, you know, I've just got to get rid of these people in my life. This is more about defining relationships and making parameters around relationships. Because if you've been on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, what happens is, People on there can be annoying sometimes, right? And they can post too many things, right? And maybe they uh, go on too many rants on there. And eventually, what did you do? You clicked unfriend. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have had to do that in the past? Don't point at them because that's not nice, okay? <laughs> 
Don't, don't point at them. I didn't ask you for proof. I just said, just, hey, listen, if you've done it, okay, then, then, then that's one thing. So that happens, doesn't it? So for committed followers of Christ, it's imperative at different seasons of life to redefine certain relationships. Now, all through this series, we've had this key thought, and it's this. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. That's right. And Mama was right. Whoever you spent time with growing up, those were the people who influenced you the most. Solomon said, walk with the wise and become wise, right? For a companion of fools suffers harm. So if you want to get better, if you want to improve, if you want to be wiser, if you want to be better at managing money, then you hang around people who are wiser and better at managing money and whatever it is you're looking to do. But if you want to be pulled down by the world, then you hang around with folks who don't have as much influence as you have in your own life, and they can pull you the other way. Hang around the people that are wise. Now, as you look back over your life, have you ever gotten in trouble? Anybody here? I get in trouble on a regular basis. Surely you get in trouble, right? And here's what I've learned. When I was growing up, whenever I got in trouble, did you get in trouble alone or was it with other people? It was always somebody else because the other person made you do it, didn't they? See, you wouldn't have done that if you hadn't been hanging around with that other person. That's right. You know what they say about preacher's kids? I've told you in this series before. They get in trouble all the time. You know why? Because they have to hang around your kids. That's why. That's why that happened. <laughs> so, you know, people influence us. And the Bible says in Proverbs, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of wicked the wicked leads them astray. So you need to choose your friends carefully. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Now the key thought for today is this. It is impossible to live with the right life when you have the wrong friends. It is impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. 1 Corinthians says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And that's the truth, isn't it? Now, what happens is a lot of us look at people, and maybe they're our friends, and we kind of overlook their faults, and we say, well, they won't influence us in a bad way. It'll be okay. I know that they have some bad habits. I know that they do some things that they shouldn't, but it's okay. They won't influence me that way, right, because I'm above that. And, and what happens is, before you know it, they have influenced you, and you're going in the wrong direction, and that's not the way you want to go. And so you have to decide... Oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe I need to think, rethink that. Don't be misled because bad company corrupts good character. Show me your friends and I'll show you who you're becoming. So it appears pretty black and white. The Bible tells us that scripture there. So we need to stay away from tempting people. Yet Jesus, our Savior and example, was a friend to sinners. So here's the dilemma. If we're not supposed to be around people who would drag us down, but we're also supposed to be around people that we're witnessing to. How do we do that? How, how, do we, how do we do both of those things at the same time? How do we choose our friends carefully, but then how do we witness to a world that's far from God? Well, it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a tension that we live in, and it's difficult. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked to non-believers. And yet we're also told to be a light in the darkness. It says, don't associate with someone who's easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Have you ever had friends that get angry and kind of blow up, and you just kind of had to distance yourself from them? Anybody have that? 
All your friends are perfect, aren't they? Yeah, I can tell. Well, good. Well, you can share this with someone who needs it then, okay? Because some of the folks might need that. So we, sometimes we have to avoid people, maybe because they would tempt us to go in the wrong direction. And yet, sometimes we have to be a witness to people. We have to be careful not to let our hearts grow cold because God wants to use us to be uh, people who influence others. So how do we resolve that tension? Well, a part of that's never going to go away. We're always going to have that tension. We've just got to learn to deal with it. If you're a committed follower of Christ, though, here's a good answer for you. You've got to have a good inner circle of friends. You've got to have some people that you are really dependent upon who really lift you up. They pray for you. You can share your deepest thoughts. They share theirs with you, and you encourage each other, and you do life together. Now, all this month, we've been talking about having friends, and we've been talking about life groups, and we've been talking about small groups, and we've been talking about Sunday school classes. This guy came up to me at the end of the first service, and he lives in Florida part of the year, and he lives in New Jersey part of the year. He mainly lives in Florida half of the year because the taxes are really high in New Jersey, right? So he lives here enough of the year that it, it's, you know, his, his priority is home base, right? He, he's he's a, um, a resident of Florida, okay? He said years and years and years ago in the church that he attends in New Jersey that they talked about this. They talked about small groups. They talked about getting involved. And he said, we got into a life group. When we, were, when we had kids growing up, we were, we've long since retired. But back then, we got involved. They were friends of ours. We had things in common. We knew each other. Our kids were about the same age. He said, we still do our life group today. He said, we're great friends. He said, we've been doing that for years and years and years. And he said, it's one of the greatest things. I said, you have to make a video. You and your wife have to make a video and talk to the church family because here's the deal. We have folks who do that. We have a lot of folks who don't do that. And so we want to encourage you to help you to be a part of that. Now you say, well, how can I do it? We, you, can, you could start one. You could start one. You could get involved and, and develop a life group. You can get with Cameron. You can decide what you want to study and facilitate. You can decide who you want to get in there with you. You can pick friends and invite them to come and be a part of that. And you can do that. Now, years ago, Laura and I did this. We had a group, and we decided that we would host them at our house. And it's hard for us to pick a time. She's a teacher. I'm a preacher. Our schedules are pretty full. We said, we're going to do it late in the afternoon on Sunday because I have to take a nap on Sunday afternoon. See, see, you get to take your nap while I'm preaching, but I have to take a nap later after church is over, right? And so then we would get up. And here, my wife had this funny hang-up, okay? And, and I, it's okay, I, I can tell you about it, because she was at the 830 service, and she heard about it. For some reason, she wanted us to clean the house up before people came over. I don't know what's with that. I, you know, I said, well, they're just going to mess it up again. She said, no, 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 we have to clean it up. So that was kind of the downside of it. But here was the good side. She always fixed something really good to eat whenever they were coming over. So I was like, okay, I'll clean up a little bit if we get something really good to eat, right? And so that's what we would do, and people would come, and then we'd get to know each other. Now, Laura goes around to different services. Sometimes she'll be at this service. Sometimes she'll be at 11. Sometimes she'll be at 8.30. Today she went to 8.30. One Sunday she went to the 11 o'clock service, and, and she walked in and sat down, and she just sat by herself, you know, because she didn't really have anybody as a specific service that she sits with necessarily. And there was this couple sitting there, and they were relatively new to the church, 
And the wife got up and walked down the road where Laura was and said, Hi, I'm Linda. Would you like to come sit with us? And so Laura said, Sure, okay, I'll do that. So she went over and she sat by Linda. Linda and Mike Tileman, they go to the 11 o'clock service. They moved here from Los Angeles. They're retired. He was a producer in California, and uh, he, he knows a lot of famous people still. But anyway, um, we didn't know who they were, but, but we got to know them. And now Linda and Laura have become friends, and now they make Mike and me hang out with them sometimes. And so we have to go to their penthouse and look at the golf over there. while She fixes us great food. You know, it's something you have to do sometimes. But, you know, we just made that friendship together just because she showed up at church one day, and that worked out, you know. And right now they're gone. They're on a trip, you know. They went out to California, and then they're going back to see family, and then they're coming back in. But you never know who you're going to meet. That's my point. And so it could be an opportunity for you to be a part of something that's special. And, and you could, you know, invite your friends, decide who you want to have come. And, and when you have that core group of people there, you kind of grow in your faith, right? When you have an inner core circle, it makes a difference there. And so you, you grow. Now, I want you to notice something maybe you're not aware of. Jesus had how many disciples? Did somebody say five? <laughs> he, he, he had, how many disciples did Jesus have? Because I'm, I'm thinking, is this an all, alternate universe? Okay, so he had... He, <laughs> He had 12 disciples, right? But now he spent more time with three of those disciples than he did the other nine. Did you ever think about that? He had an inner circle. These were the special ones that he spent time with. Even Jesus did that. You know, and there were times when the disciples wanted him and sick people wanted him. And he said, I, I can't do that right now. I've got to spend time with my heavenly father. And he would put them off, sometimes for 40 days at a time, because he had to be with God to grow deeper and stronger. And if Jesus needed that, surely we need that. Another thing about Jesus is, did you know he loved the Pharisees? He loved the Pharisees, but he didn't trust the Pharisees. And so he, he was God, so he loved them, but he kept them at a distance because they were hypocrites. And, and they talked about, you know, how you should live and what you should do, but they got all wrapped up in a lot of rules, and they didn't necessarily live them. You know, they were just big about pointing them out for other people, right? And so Jesus loved them, but he kept his distance from them. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to make a decision. These people are bringing me down, and I can't do this. So here's what I want you to see. You're thinking, okay, I, I don't want to have the wrong friends. I want to live the right life. Now you're going to examine your friends, right? And so I want you to think about that. Who are my close friends, and what do they do? Now, here's what I want you to see. If, you're, if your close friends are knocking off banks, for example, you might want to rethink that, right? If, if they are high-ranking officials in organized crime, I'm just saying, you know, that's not necessarily the group you want to spend time. If your close friends are cooking meth in the kitchen, see, that, that's an indication that you're hanging out with the wrong people. And then they go sell it to fifth graders. That's where you have to draw the line right there, okay? You just don't need to be a part of it. Well, okay, maybe I do need some new friends. Maybe I do need a life group. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I think so. I, I agree. So if that's what you're thinking, the answer is absolutely yes, you do need some new friends. But the reality is that there are some close friends that are going to influence us. It could be that there are those of us who are around people who are incredibly negative. Have you ever been around negative people? 
you know, critical people. And what happens is we don't even realize it, but if we're not careful, that starts to rub off on us. And before we realize it, we're starting to get negative and critical too, and we don't want that. It could be that there are some who tempt us to do things that we're not supposed to do that would not honor God. We have to redefine that relationship. It could be that some of our friends introduce us to values that don't honor God, and so we want to change that. You love somebody, but you don't have to treat everybody the same. You don't have to let everyone be in your inner circle, okay? Now, there are two things that we want to do that never let our friends do, okay? First, I don't want to let my friends distract me from God's plan. See, God has a plan for our lives, and we're supposed to live that plan and fulfill it. And so the problem is if somebody starts trying to get us to stop doing the things that God has called us to do. Now, this happened when Jesus was with Peter. Now, think about it. Peter was in Jesus' inner circle, right? And one day Jesus says, okay, I'm going to have to die and be resurrected and come back to earth. And Peter's going, no, 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 you're going to be king. You can't die. That's not going to work. How's that going to happen? You're not going to be the king if you die. And what did Jesus say to him? He let him know in a way that he could understand that he was wrong. In Matthew 16, Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, if you want to get your friend's attention, just call him Satan. That would do it right there, wouldn't it? No, 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 I can't do that, Satan. I'm sorry. I've got to do something for God, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it, to say that? You know, but he goes on to say, you're a stumbling block to me, okay? Even Peter was trying to get him to do something that was not in God's plan. He didn't intend to, but that's what he was doing. He didn't realize it. And he said, I'm not going to let you distract me from what God wants me to do. So you might have to look at your friends and say, you know, if you're going to distract me from what I'm supposed to be doing for God, I need to rethink that. Uh, if they're saying, hey, listen, where are you going? I'm going to church. Well, you don't need to go to church. You just went the other day, didn't you? I mean, how many times you got to go? Or I'm going to my life group. Well, you don't need to do that. You fought, you prayed once this month. What do you need to do that for, you know? Well, you know, you have to either get them to go with you or you have to get them to realize that that's something you're not going to compromise. It could be in the way that you live. Maybe folks that are, you're hanging out with, they, they're just really wrapped up in material things. And they're really caught up, and you know, they're always showing you new things they bought all the time, new gadgets, new this, new that. And before you know it, you start thinking, well, I, I need to buy that. I need to get that. And, and really, do you really need it? Well, not always, no. But, you know, they got it, so I guess I better get it now. And so, you know, that happens, and so you become materialistic. You're caught up in money, and you want to be in the right group and all that kind of thing. And so you have to look at it and say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's God calling me to do? And you realize I may need to redefine that friendship. It could be that they're pretty decent people, but they've got an image thing. You know, I can't remember having an image or wanting an image except when I was in high school. But, you know, uh, image thing kind of went out the window a long time ago for me. But, but for some people, that's really a big deal. You want to be seen with the right people. You want to make pictures with the right people. You want to go to the right parties and do all that kind of thing. But uh, maybe you're dating somebody who is, uh, you know, drawing you away from God. And, and a lot of times that happens with young people, and they're like, no, 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 it's fine. Everything's fine. It's great, you know, but it's really not great. And so you have to make a decision. Then the second thing is I won't let my friends continually tempt me to sin. You know, if my friends are continuing to do things that I don't need to do, I may need a new set of friends. Now, an incredible example of this is Joseph. You remember Joseph, his family sold him into slavery. You talk about a guy who didn't have any friends. His brother sold him into slavery. 
And then he's in Egypt, and, and he gets favor with a guy named Potiphar, and he's in charge of his household. And so Potiphar, you know, he has favor with Potiphar, and apparently he has favor with Potiphar's wife, too, because she starts checking him out, and she's all the time trying to get him to come and sleep with her. Come and go to bed with me, she says. And he's like, no way, I'm not going to do that. And one day she grabs his cloak that he's wearing, and he literally, you know, just takes it off and runs out of the house, and she's still holding on to it. Now, Joseph didn't stop and say, well, now let's talk about this logically, okay? You know, let's, let's explore this a little bit. Huh, he didn't flirt. What did he do? He fled. He got out of there. In fact, they, they said, well, you know, he tried to attack me, and I've still got his cloak, and he got in trouble. But God came back around, and he got blessed ultimately because Joseph did the right thing. And so here you see a guy who's just trying to do the right thing. He's really just trying to follow God and be God's man, and yet he gets in a situation that's difficult. In Genesis 39, it says, She, Potiphar's wife, caught him, Joseph, by the cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out of the house. And so sometimes you just have to stop those relationships. I walked up in the first service, and I was in the back, and I was just walking around talking to people before the service started, and there were these three ladies that were sitting there on the back row. And so I said, hi, girls, how you doing? And they started laughing. And I said, what are you laughing about? And she said, well, we got caught by the preacher. We were gossiping. <laughs> I said, well, you're going to love the sermon today because that's one of my points in here, you know. If you're hanging around people who gossip all the time, I, so I had to separate them. I moved them all, all three of them. They, <laughs> They had to go sit somewhere else. I'm sorry. You have a bad influence beside you. You folks can't sit together anymore. And I'll be watching, you know. I've got my eyes on you. Now you've confessed. I'm trying to help you, okay? And so for that Christian friend, you have to redefine friendship. And, and you know, when I became a Christian, I had, to, I had to really replace all my inner circle of friends because, you know, I didn't have anything in common with the guys that I'd hung out with before. But here's what I want to always do. I won't stop loving people with the unconditional love of Christ. I want to continue to love people with the unconditional. Because the worst thing that could happen is you leave here and go out and say, okay, well, I'm better than everybody else, and so I just need to distance myself from everybody else and look down on them because I, I'm, I'm holier than thou. And that's not the thing. Here's what I want you to hear. Jesus didn't unfriend sinners. He befriended sinners okay if he unfriended anybody it was the hypocrites who were trying to draw people away from God so we want to love people unconditionally who are far from God we just don't have to accept all the actions that they do you love them with grace and truth unconditionally and you try to let them see your heart the key is to live in that tension of going into all the world and being a witness to other people but also not letting that disrupt our life with God. When we're filled with that kind of love, then we need that support around us to help us be successful. I love you, but I can't let you take me down. I love you, but I'm going to have to do what God's plan is for my life. And so when you do that, you fulfill the teaching of Jesus. He says in John 13, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I served a church years ago in Navarre, Florida. I served it for about 20 years. And, you know, over time, sometimes people say, you know, I feel like we need to go to this church. And maybe they would leave, but they would come and see me, and they weren't mad. They would just say, okay, we feel led to go here, but we want you to know we think this is one of the most loving 
churches that we've ever been in. And we wanted you to know that. And I, I thought to myself, no church can be all things to all people. You know, people need different things, right? But, but one of the first places to start is to be a loving church. If you're a loving church, a, a love covers up a multitude of sins. And so you love people, and you try to love them into the kingdom and be the best you can for them, and it's a blessing. Now, now, God didn't say he would love us if we went to church or even if we gave money or even if we had the right doctrine. He just said that he loved us. And he says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You know what the, what the neatest thing is? It's when the world looks at the church from the outside, and they look inside, and they say, see how they love each other? You see how they get along? You see how they care for one another? You see how they take care of each other? And they hear stories about how people were in need and how the church reached out to them and blessed them and how small groups did that and life groups did that and all kinds of different areas of the church. And, and people look at that and they say, you know, I don't have anybody who does that for me and I want to be a part of that. And so uh, Jesus has a heart for us to reach those people and live in that kind of tension to be his disciples. Now, let me wrap this up by just talking to you for a minute, okay? Um, on Thursday nights, we have a thing called Celebrate Recovery. Many of you are familiar with it. It meets here in this room, right? And at 5 o'clock, you come in and you eat in the cafe, and then you come in for worship. You meet together, and then you break into small groups. Now, here's the, the misconception that a lot of people have about Celebrate Recovery. Here's what people think. Well, I don't, I'm not an addict, and I don't have anything I need to recover from, so I really don't need Celebrate Recovery, okay? That, that's what people think. And they tell me that all the time. And I say, you don't understand Celebrate Recovery. Let me tell you, Cameron went and started Celebrate Recovery here at the church, and she went through the step study thing that you do in there, and she said, you know, I learned things about myself I didn't know. Now, listen, if Cameron needs Celebrate Recovery... So I want you to look at the person next to you and point your finger at them and say, you need to celebrate recovery. Go ahead and tell them right now. <laughs> Some of you enjoyed that way too much, okay? But that's the truth. There's not a person who's here today that doesn't need celebrate recovery. Stacy Thomas took it over, and she runs that now, and, and she went through it, you know. Chris Langford went through it. So many people in our church went through it. And listen, I go to it sometimes, and, and I'll go in there, and I'll do a little devotional. I'll be a part of it. Everybody can benefit from Celebrate Recovery. We have hurts and hang-ups and habits we're not even aware of. And so anybody, everybody can be blessed by it. And, and this sermon goes hand-in-hand hand with that because you may need a new set of friends. You're trying to put something away and start something new. You may need a new set of friends you can hang out with, and this can be the support group that you need along with that small group or that life group that you're a part of that can be a blessing to you. You can learn things about yourself that will help you grow and they will be beneficial to you. I wish I could get people up here to give testimonies about that. I'm sure they would jump up and they'd fight each other to do that because they go to it. But here's what I'm trying to get you to hear. It applies to everybody. It really does. And so some Thursday, check it out. We have Woodlawn Way the last Sunday of the month. That's today. 
And it meets right here in this room, right after this service. And you say, what is it? It's just something to help you know more about the church. That's all. It's two hours, 11 to 1. They feed you lunch. You learn about it. And so I encourage people, even if they've been here for a long time, to go through it. And they all like it. It's a blessing to them. And I encourage you to give it a shot. Look at your calendar and say, okay, well, because what happens if you run into somebody and you're going, and they're, they're describing what's going on in their life, and, and they're telling you what's happening, and you know, man, have I got a deal for you. you th Thursday, celebrate recovery. It would be a blessing to you. Let me tell you about it. Well, no, I can't because I've never been. I don't know a thing about it, okay? <laughs> but if you went, even, I, I give you permission, go in and tell them that you're a journalist and you're just there to write an article, okay? <laughs> really doesn't apply to me. I'm much better than this, but I'm here for you people, right? Just go and try it out. You might learn something, and, and you might be able to share something with somebody else so that they would benefit from it, okay? Yeah, and, and then maybe, maybe you might just really get, uh, you know, out of your comfort zone, and you might say, I'm going to get some of my friends together, and I'm going to find something that we can study together, and we're going to do a fall semester, we're going to do a spring semester, and we're just going to try to grow together, and, and these are people that I pick, and you'll have to clean the house up, I know, I know but, but you'll get good food, so, you know, it's a trade-off, right? It'll be a blessing to you, it really will. Give it a shot. Look at the person next to you and say, I'd like to try that. Really? Would you really like to try it? All right, let's pray together. Father, I just thank you that you have a way to help us be around folks who can help us and we can help them. And I pray that we might be those kinds of people and that we might bless others. And I pray that you might use all kinds of different things to help us to do that, including celebrate recovery and anything else, a life group, whatever. Lord, we just want to be the, all that we can be for you. We ask you to bless us so that we might bless others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.